Our passage for the first passage we're going to reflect on is in Matthew chapter 6. I'll be reading from Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Let us pray to our Father then. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us a sure and certain word filled with light and life and hope and comfort and good things for us, your people. And now please bless us that our meditations, our uh, reflections on the word be, be guided by you. Speak to us, O Lord, as you have opened your word to us. May our hearts receive the word implanted. May we grow in wisdom and grace through our reflections upon this, your holy word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm not really going back over the same passage the pastor just preached, even though it may look like that. This is actually not a model sermon. This is a topical sermon, which means I'm going to do lots of different texts. That was just to start us out, and I will be making reference to texts and give you some idea of where they are, but I'm basically going to be reading them as we go, because I'd like to uh, answer a question that, is, that uh, I think is fruitful in light of all the uh, excellent uh, messages we've been receiving about prayer in uh, Matthew from the pastor in the morning service. Um, and this came up to me uh, when I was asked to come to a campus group quite some time ago, and it wasn't around here, uh, but come to a campus group and uh, speak to them on the theology of unanswered prayers. And I was thinking about that. It got me thinking, I, my, because my first thought is the theology of unanswered prayer. It's kind of an odd way to put it. Um, and my first thought was, well, there is no unanswered prayer. Uh, God answers all prayers. And then my second thought is, well, no, there are unanswered prayers. So let's think about that question. This is not a theology of unanswered prayer exactly. <laughs> That's not the uh, topic. But it will reflect upon the, que the question of, does God answer our prayers? And so uh, if you think about and search the scriptures, and that's why we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures, you really have to answer that question by looking at a lot of different places. But the uh, fact is, my first thought that there are no unanswered prayers was wrong. 
There are unanswered prayers. I don't think you want to create a theology of this, but there are prayers that God does not answer. And you saw them in the text we just read. Those are the unanswered prayers. Notice how Jesus puts it. The hypocrites who are praying in order to be seen by other people. They get their prayer. (laughs) But they don't get any prayers answered from God. They have their reward. That is the answer to their prayer, but it's not an answer from God. He does not answer their prayers. Now there's another thing that's by implication in our text, and that is the Gentiles, verse 7. When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. You could even put that, for they imagine they will be heard by piling up all these words. If, if, you know, if we just pile up all these words, then the God will hear us. And notice what Jesus says to that in the implication. They imagine that they'll be heard. The implication is, but not by God. Not by the living and true God. He's, you know, there's no guarantee he's going to be listening to them, which is really interesting when you think about Jesus and who he is. The Son of God come down from heaven. People have been praying to God, and he's been there. (laughs) And here he is telling us, well, they're piling up prayers, but there's no guarantee he's going to hear them. Now, there's something involved here that uh, I don't know if you know about, but there's in the... It's actually... uh, if you look this up, it's found throughout uh, places you wouldn't expect it. And I heard it was in Scotland, of all places. And it's called a prayer wheel. Now, I heard about this prayer wheel a long time ago. And it's, you know, back when I heard about it, it was called a water wheel. So people would put their prayers on this uh, device, this round device, and then suspend it over a stream, and every time the cylinder would revolve, that prayer is made to the deity. So you get more prayers out of this device, because every time it revolves, that prayer is sent over and over and over. So imagine then that God is just kind of bludgeoned into having to answer because of all these wheels going on. Well, now they have electric wheels, so you don't even have to have a stream nearby. You can, you know, hook it up to an electric motor and you, you get your prayer wheel. It's in Wikipedia, so you can read about this. It wasn't in Wikipedia when I heard about this in the 1970s, but this is, it's still around. Uh, and brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus just makes it really clear Now they imagine they'll be heard because of their many words and their prayer wheels and all these these, uh, devices. You know, I don't know if you know this, but in the ancient world, the time of Jesus, the Romans were pretty 
uh, concerned about prayers. And it wasn't just the, the uh, number of words, but you had to get the prayers just right for them to be effective. And this is actually what was thought to be the origin of music during prayer. The, uh, there would be musicians playing during Roman prayers in case the priest offering the prayer would slip up and mispronounce a word. Because if the priest mispronounces a word, you have to start over. You have to go all the way back, and if it's a long prayer, taking five minutes, you just got to start all the way over again and redo the whole thing. Because it's not effective if that prayer is, you know, defective with that mispronounced word. However, if you're playing the flute at the same time, maybe it will cover over the mispronounced word. And the, the deity won't notice, you know. <laughs> that, that is actually, some people think that's why uh, music in Roman prayers originated. Uh, and, you know, in all of that, it's pretty easy to say, okay, there are prayers that God doesn't answer. But then we have Jonah and other places. Think about Jonah. He goes to Nineveh, and these Ninevites, unexpectedly from, well, not Jonah, he knew it would happen, but from us reading the story of, of Jonah and the Ninevites, Jonah goes and preaches repentance, and immediately the king declares everybody's going to repent, they're going to stop doing wickedness, and they're going to appeal to, to the Lord, it actually says that they're going to call out mightily to the Lord, and maybe he will relent. And he did. You see, there are times when the Lord will hear the prayers of the wicked. Because we have places like Proverbs 15, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Or, later in 15, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Proverbs 28. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. You see, the prayer of the wicked, the people have turned their back on the Lord, is an abomination to him. It's not just that he ignores it. It's an abomination to him. It's something that he doesn't tolerate. And yet the Ninevites called out to him. The Ninevites appealed to the Lord and he heard them because the Lord is full of compassion and forgiveness and mercy and grace. So one never knows. And this is why you call on your friends and see if they would, you know, they're in trouble. You can say, I'd like to pray for you if you don't mind. And you can pray for your friends. Or you could even say, you know, I encourage you to pray because the Lord is compassionate and gracious and kind to all of his people and even kind to those who have turned their back on him as the people in Nineveh demonstrate. Well, that's really the only place I could find 
any sort of theology of unanswered prayers. Because the prayers of his people are always answered. See, that was my first thought. I was really focusing on you, the people of the Lord, people who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, people who belong to the Lord. Because notice what Jesus says. Don't be like those people. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. People who have thrown themselves upon the Lord and said, you are my father. I call upon you as my father to hear my prayers. He hears every one of your prayers. And he answers every single one. Children, your prayers are heard by the Lord. You are heard by him. He guarantees that because he claims you as your child, his child. And you claim him as father. So your prayers are answered. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if he has a son who asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And in Luke 11, the parallel. So that was Matthew 7, which we're getting to in the sermon series uh, in the morning services. But in Luke 11, the parallel says, how will he not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is even far more uh, weighty in the gift of God. He will give good gifts to his children. Or 1 Peter 5, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on you, because he cares for you. He cares for you as a child whom he loves and cherishes. All of your prayers are answered. But there are three answers. And it appears like, at times, he's not answering, when in fact he is answering. He says no. There are times when the Lord will say no. This is why we pray to God as our Heavenly Father. He knows what's right, and he is good. And he is upright in all of his dealings. And there are times when he says, no, that's not a good thing. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, notice how Jesus slips that in there. If you, being evil, and I'm going, wait a second. He just said I'm evil, didn't he? Did he say that? Notice how he, he, he just assumes that. Oh, yeah, of course we all know that. Compared to our father, that's exactly right. Compared to God's goodness, we have no standing. We can't stand before him. Even if we are the most holy and upright person in the whole world, we have, there's no comparison with God and his goodness. And there are times when he will say to you, no. 
Let me give you a couple of examples. So, go back to Jonah. <laughs> At the, you know, after the Ninevites repented, what did Jonah do? He prayed that he would die. That's it, Lord. Let me die. I, I, I want to die. That's the end of that. Too much grace around here. I can't stand it. You know, to my, to my, to the, the enemies of my people, Nineveh. Let me die. And God said, "Well, he raised a pumpkin. You know the whole story." He said, "No." He he basically told Jonah, "No, that's a dumb prayer." And so there are times when he may say no. By the way, he wasn't the only one. Elijah, think about Elijah. He had just gone through that whole sacrifice with the prophets of Baal, and they were calling out to their gods, and the gods of those prophets did not answer. There's your theology of unanswered prayer. Pagan gods don't answer because they don't exist. They're nothings. And then Elijah, he, he starts praying. It's not very long, and then God answers immediately. But then he's, he's chased into the wilderness. Things look really grim. He's so despondent. Am I alone, the only one around who believes in you? And hopefully you know the story. This is in uh, 1 Kings 18 through 19. And in 1 Kings, he also says, I, I just want to die. Let me die. And God appears to him. And Elijah is one of the few people who didn't die. He's taken up. <laughs> so God said, no, I actually have something else in mind for you. <laughs> How about if I send an angel on a chariot and just escort you into heaven now? Is that a good alternative for you? Think about the answer to that prayer. No, I've got something like that you can't even imagine how good it will be and how blessed and wonderful of this experience that I have instead for you. So don't take no as a bad answer. Take it as an answer of someone who's wiser and better good than you can imagine. And, and wait on him. But then there are also times the second answer the Lord will give could be not yet. Not yet. You're going to have to wait for whatever reason. Now, this appears, for example, I'm just, you know, reeling off the kind of places that I wound up pondering and thinking about in reflecting on the theology of unanswered prayers. And this is one of them that was really striking to me, and that's in Luke 1. Verses 8 through 13. Let me go ahead and read that for you. This is the um, angel appearing to the father of John the Baptist. His name is Zechariah. Now, when Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. 
And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. That's John the Baptist. So the angel informed Zechariah, God has not been ignoring his prayer. He has heard his prayer because Zechariah is one of his people, one of his children. And he essentially told Zechariah, not yet. And look at the fulfillment. He's the father of John the Baptist. Now, that will bring a lot of grief to him and his mother eventually, you know, with John's outcome of his ministry, which he was a martyr. But, not now. They can rejoice now because the ministry of John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord in fulfillment of Scripture and prophecy. This was a marvelous answer to prayer. I'm not just going to give you a son. I'm going to give you John. I'm going to give you a son who is John. This is somebody who is uh, far more important than you might imagine. And this is the answer to prayer that Zechariah received. So that's the second answer the Lord gives sometimes. Not yet. And then third, there are times when the Lord simply says yes. When the Lord answers right away. When you pray to the Lord and, and he just answers and says, that's a, good, that's a prayer that I have inspired you to give and I'm happy to fulfill that prayer. I will, I will give you the desire of your heart because I'm a father who cares for you and your children. Yes, you have that prayer. You have what you ask for. Philippians 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Your citizenship is in heaven. This is your destiny. This is where you belong. You belong in God's presence in heaven. That is your heritage from the Lord, and that's how he treats you. So let your request be known to the Lord. And uh, give in, in everything, fill your life with prayer and thanksgiving. But don't forget that thanksgiving to give thanks to the Lord. Don't forget when he answers your prayers. It's good for you, but it's also a testimony that you're attentive to the fact that the Lord is a wonderful provider for us. Think of all the things 
that he has given to you and give thanks to him. In your private prayer life, sometimes only give thanks. Don't ask him for anything. Just give thanks for all that he's given you. And you start counting them up. And you'll find that they are so many that you run out of time for prayer. All the good things he's given you. Because he says yes all the time. When he says no, wait on the Lord. Because he might be saying, not yet. He might have a better time and a better fulfillment for you of that prayer. And there are times when he'll say, not yet. And it's hard. I'm not making light of that. It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait on the Lord sometimes because to us, everything is sometimes, well, everything's urgent, it seems. Our life is filled with one urgent thing after another when we look to the Lord. But the Lord cares for us, and there are times when he will just relieve our anxieties, and we cast our cares upon him. Because we come before him, and he's seated on a throne of grace, Hebrews 4. Let me finish by reading a few verses, out of order now, but a few verses from Psalm 37. Commit your way to the Lord, and trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. And then finally, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Did you see the irony of that last verse? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in the Lord, you want him. And he will give you that. He will give you the desire of your heart because you delight yourself in the Lord. You want him. You want him to manifest himself to you, to guide you, to be close to you in time of need. He will answer your prayer and be close to you. Well, this does not exhaust all the things we could say, but it does focus on the the fact that God answers every one of your prayers. And sometimes, in his marvelous, gracious mercy, he answers a prayer of his enemies, and I can attest to that, because here I am, a convert to Christ Jesus, because he heard my prayer, this poor man. Let us pray. What a rich privilege we have What a marvelous hope we have that you hear all of our prayers. We pray, O Lord, that you would help us in time of need. For people have great needs and need you to answer swiftly sometimes. I pray that you will do that. Be kind and gracious to your people. Fill our lives with a hope and comfort. Let us not be anxious, but to look to you with thanksgiving 
day in and day out, and to hope on you. May the desire of our heart be fulfilled to have you, to give yourself to us, O Lord. For you have done that in your Son. You sent your only begotten Son into the world to be ours. And we do thank you for this marvelous gift beyond all compassion, beyond all uh, comparison. The great grace of God demonstrated in our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise and thank you in his name. Hear us now as we sing your praise and sing to you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.